Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. So we do come to the time in our service in which we hear the, the word of, of God read, and we believe that the Bible matters here. And so one way we honor God's word is to stand as we listen and pay attention to what is God saying to us today. Today's scripture comes from Exodus chapter 31, verses 12 through 17. Let us give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. And the Lord said to Moses, You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day. Of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he was rested and was refreshed. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we pray that your truth, your word, and your grace would be upon us today. Lord, may we hear and receive your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't know about you, but this seems a a little harsh in the the scripture, right? I mean, when, when Jesus says that Everyone who profanes the Sabbath shall be put to death. Anyone who does any work on it, the soul shall be cut off for among his people. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Um, Why so serious, right? Like, why would God make this command to his people? Why is Sabbath keeping so critical? Why is it so important? What is it about the Sabbath that Jesus and that God would give these words to his people. Makes me think, right? Like, why? And so as we, as we understand it, one of the things it kind of tells me is it helps me understand a little bit about why Jesus experienced all this opposition from the Pharisees and the Sadducees about doing anything on the Sabbath because the, the command was so strict. But what does that also mean for us today? And what is Sabbath today? Are we supposed to take the 24 hours, the, the Friday night to Saturday night, um, like they originally did? What does Sabbath keeping mean for us? Now, um, one of my favorite definitions of of Sabbath that I've ever heard is this, is that Sabbath is a healthy rhythm of work and rest. Um, That it's it's not just about a 24-hour period, though that can be a very helpful practice, but it really is this healthy rhythm of work and rest. And so kids in box one, I invite you to to draw yourself resting. What does it look like for you to, to rest? Now, here's the thing, is I've observed people, and you probably have observed people, is that we are not good at resting. Some of us are, are, are go, 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 go. 
Uh, we, we are always on the go, always moving the next activity, the next thing all the time. And we become people who are defined by our productivity, right? Because the world really says that you are what you do. Um, that that the, the things that you do determine who you are. And what happens is, is that when you and I have conversations and we meet new people, we find this out to be true, right? Because uh, you would go and you'd see somebody new and you'd say, hi, my name is Aaron. They'd introduce themselves. And then one of you would ask the question, so what do you do? As if the most important thing about you is your work. But this is the society that we live in, that you are what you do. It always makes me nervous when people ask me what I do, and they don't know because I'm never quite sure how they're going to react. I call it the pastor bomb, and I'm not just sure how it's going to um, explode. And for us as, as pastors, we're, we're a little anxious when we meet people, especially like on an airplane, when there's no choice but to talk to this person, and, and you don't know what they're going to say. Sometimes I've had people apologize for some previous words they've said. Um, sometimes uh, they begin to tell me their, their life story. Um, sometimes they're just like, oh, and they don't exactly know how to take it, right? But it's this world that, I, that you are what you do. Whatever it is you do is your worth. There, so we ask the question, what do you do? Another question that we often ask is, how have you been? And then when I ask people, how have they been? How are you? The most common answer I get is busy. As if there's a competition for the busiest person wins, right? And, and, and so what the, the world says, that your successfulness is directly tied to your busyness. And we are busy, busy people. We work, work, work. We go, go, go. After we get off work, we have activities multiple nights a week. We're always going, and even the church can play into the problem as we schedule things and activities that keep things going and busyness. And nowhere does God command you, thou shalt be busy, for you will be holier in that way. And as Americans, we're, we're terrible at, at resting. You know, one of the indications of rest is when you go on vacation, you experience rest and renewal. Vacation has been proven to be a good thing for you, but we are terrible about going on vacation because we do not have a healthy rhythm of work and rest. In 2019, Americans had 768 million vacation days that they did not use. And I, I remember asking my former congregation, um, how many of you used your, I did a little poll online, and 70% had unused vacation days at the end of the year. And I imagine if I asked you all, um, and you all were honest with me, they, that you would probably tell me the same thing. I leave vacation days on the table. Um, and so kids in box two, I want you to draw a picture of your favorite vacation. What does that experience look like for you? Now, now not, it's kind of crazy that we leave vacation days on the table because what we're doing to our employers is essentially like if they were to give us $1,400 and we were like, no thanks, I'll only take 1000 But that's what we've done. The average person who has 14 vacation days only takes 10 of them. It's not just people who have all these vacation days stored up. It's regular people who are working in 14 days of vacation, they only take 10. We're missing out on the rest that we have. And when we go on vacation, we don't really go on vacation. 80% of people work on vacation. Two-thirds of people respond to those dreaded emails over vacation. Why is it? It's because we believe that we're so essential. We believe that if we leave, it's all going to fall apart. We, we, we are what we do, and we believe that we cannot get away 
that we must keep going. This is the system that we live in, and we are guilty of living and continuing in this system. And we're tired, and we're exhausted. The average American now gets under six hours of sleep a night. You're supposed to get around eight hours, even as adults, but we don't do that very well. I was looking up signs of sleep deprivation, um, and I was surprised because I thought, you know, maybe I wasn't sleep deprived, but when I read these things, then I found myself in them, that if you fall asleep within five minutes of lying down, that's one symptom of being sleep deprived. Some of you are like, I can't ever imagine falling asleep that quickly. Others of us are like, hey, it's an amazing thing, all right? Needing an alarm clock to wake up on time every day is a sign of sleep deprivation. Feeling groggy when you wake up in the morning or throughout the day. Having a hard time of getting out of bed every day. Mood changes, forgetfulness, trouble focusing on a task. Sleeping more on days when you don't have to get up at a certain time. And we have normalized being exhausted and being busy. This is the world that we live in. And it's not just about our jobs, it's not just about sleep, but we have filled our schedules up with so much that the busyness and exhaustion are our normal. And this busyness is an addiction because we can't help ourselves. Some of you, that if I told you to be still, you couldn't do it because you're so used to going. You don't know what to do if you're not doing or going or wondering about the next thing or working on the next project, and we are addicted to being busy. We are addicted to this go, go, go lifestyle. Another word for addiction could be slaves, that we are a slave to our lifestyle of going and going and going and our calendars being full. Now, the people that would have heard this original text they would have known what slavery was like because it was their world that they were in. The Israelites were enslaved as, uh, under the Egyptians, and all they knew was work, 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 24-7, 365, rise and grind. And as they would do that, it didn't matter if it was a Tuesday in November or a Thursday in May. The date didn't matter because it was the same thing yesterday, today, and tomorrow, and seemingly forever. You wake up in the morning and you work, and you go to, and when you're done, you go to bed and you do it all over again. This pattern, this rhythm of work and work and work. And so they cried out to God, and God heard their cry. He sent them a leader by the name of Moses, and he moved them out of slavery and into the promised land, and he wanted to teach them a different way of living, a way of living that was separate from the way that the world was. And he said, as God's people, you are going to live differently, and I'm going to set you apart. That's what holiness means. It's kind of being set apart. You're going to live in a set-apart way. So that this pattern and this routine that you have, others will see that you rely and depend on me. And one of the most critical ways that he taught his people was through this idea of Sabbath. And he did it in a few different ways. Now, one of the ways was on the regular Sabbath, that every seven days they were to take a period of rest. And he communicated this, and this was important because he communicated it in multiple ways. And so Moses, who was their leader, who also wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Old Testament, he he would tell them the story of creation, about how God created the world. And on the seventh day, even God, the most important figure, the most important person 
ever rested. And he enjoyed his creation. He enjoyed what he had accomplished. And so the story of creation tells us that Sabbath is God's design, it's God's idea, and it's important to God, and that God rested and was refreshed, as our scripture tells us today. So through the story of, the, of creation, we learn the value of the Sabbath. Another way that, that God told them about the importance of resting and the Sabbath was actually through the food that he would provide. And so um, when they were wandering in the wilderness, they would, when they woke up in the morning, there was manna. There was this bread-like substance that God would provide every morning so that they would have food. Now, they weren't supposed to hoard it because it would go bad the next day. But on the sixth day, they were to get enough for that day and the next day. And that day's manna and the next day's manna would stay good because he wanted them to know that they didn't even have to pick up food that the Lord had already provided. And so every seven days, they got a reminder that God was providing and that they weren't having to work to be his people. They were his people and God would provide. And so kids, I invite you in box three to, to draw a picture of, of God resting from that creation story. What does that look like for God to, to rest? And then also, when, when God gave the Ten Commandments, one of the commandments that he gave was to keep the Sabbath holy. Now, I would imagine that um, there's some of you who, are, who like to follow the rules. Now, some of you are rule breakers, and that's okay, but there are some of you who are rule followers, and you're like, I am never... So I, I like to follow the Ten Commandments. I'm not going to murder. I'm not going to steal. But I'm not going to take. But what about Sabbath keeping? By far, as Christians and as churchgoers and as people, the Sabbath keeping undoubtedly is the most broken commandment. Because it is something that we do time and time again. We say we take his commandment seriously, but we don't take this one. But God invites us and tells us to do this, this healthy rhythm of work and rest. And so he gave them that gift of every seven days. But it wasn't just every seven days. That's not the only picture that he gave. But he also gave them holy days. He set up festivals because, again, when you remembered that you were a slave, you didn't get holidays. You didn't get holy days. All you did was work, work, work. And so he said there are going to be special times in which you're going to have holy days what we call holidays, in which work isn't to occur, in which it's supposed to be and designed to be a day of rest, that this is part of the rhythm that God built into their schedules to take holidays and have holy days where they can celebrate God and they can celebrate being together. And then he's kept going to say, you've got to do this. And so he introduced a thing called the Shemata. Now, that's a Hebrew word I may or may not have pronounced correctly, but you don't know that because most of you don't speak Hebrew, all right? But this is what that is, is that God spoke to Moses at Mount Sinai. This is from Leviticus 25, telling him to speak to the Israelites and say to them, when you come to the land that I'm giving you, the land must be given a rest period, a Sabbath to God. For six years, you may plant your fields, prune your vineyards and harvest your crops. But the seventh year is a Sabbath of Sabbaths for the land. It is God's Sabbath during which you may not plant your fields nor prune your vineyards. Do not harvest crops that grow on their own and do not gather the grapes on your unpruned vine, since it is a year of rest for the land. 
And so do you see what God was doing here? As he said, your, your land doesn't need to be toiled and toiled and toiled all year. It needs a time of rest so that it can rejuvenate. And, and because you're letting your land rest, you are also going to rest. And so you see there's a, a weekly rhythm that's going on here, right? Every seven days. There is a sort of a, an annual rhythm of, of having this time of holy days, of holidays. And there's this every seven year rhythm. All right, this healthy rhythm of work and rest that was built into the godly system that his people should live under. And in fact, at the end of seven seven-year cycles, there was a year of jubilee, which was a great reset in which all debts were forgiven and all land was given back to those who were being there. You see, God had this rhythm of living that so many of us don't experience. Because we've tied our identity and our worth to what we can produce and to what we can do. And frankly, we have just worn ourselves out and burned ourselves out. I'm still a little bit bothered as thinking through, like, what are, why death? Why would God say, if you don't take Sabbath, you should be put to death? And, and as we were talking about it as a staff, one of the things that um, we, we talked about was that there are people, um, and you may know a family member, who all they did was work, 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 work. And they died too young because all they did was run this treadmill of work, and they never had this rhythm of work and rest. Maybe it destroys, so maybe death, an, an actual death as a consequence to not taking Sabbath. One of the things that, that I've heard and experienced is, is that if you don't take Sabbath, one will be forced upon you. And how many times have you been going and you've had a busy season or maybe your busy season has extended for months or even years and you have just, your body has given out on you and you become sick because you have worn yourself down. Your body needs this rest. Maybe there have been death to relationships that once were important, but you don't have time for it anymore. And so the consequences of your going and going and going, your activity is you've lost out on some of those vital relationships that actually give you life. Or maybe it is your soul. You know, as we were talking as a staff, you know, we talked about that, that so often what we do is we go, we go, we go, we go, and then we crash. We don't really rest, we just sort of crash. And, and one of the ways that I know that I've crashed is when I'm, I'm sitting in our, on our couch, I've got my feet up and we're watching Netflix, and I'm so tired I don't want to move. And so when Netflix tells me, do you want to watch the next episode? I'm like, it's easier to do this than it is to get up, out of, get up and go to bed and go to sleep because my body just has crashed. And so many of us, we don't really know rest because all we ever do is crash. We don't know what it's like to rest and be renewed. All we know what it is is to crash and have enough for the next day. And we don't really have that. A recent study showed that 23% of working people always or very often feel burnt out at work. Burnout is a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. Three symptoms can help you recognize it. Feelings of energy depletion or exhaustion, increased mental distance from one's job, or feelings of negativism and cynicism related to one's job and reduced professional efficacy. And I think if, 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 you know, basically one in four people, that's so many people in this room right now who are just worn out and burnt out and wondering and just trying to thrive, survive the day instead of really thrive. 
And is this what God wants for us, to just keep surviving? I don't think that's who God wants us to be. I think he wants us to thrive. I think he wants us to experience the good life. He wants us to experience this rest and renewal. He doesn't want it to just be about what you do. He wants you to experience his love and his goodness and his rest. And so we have to get in the business of unbusyness. We have to make it a priority. Jesus, God said, above all, we shall keep the Sabbath. God is saying life is not just what you do, but instead it's about being and being with me and being with the people who matter the most. I want to talk to parents for, for just a second because we, um, we, we find ourselves often guilty of some things and, and find ourselves so often um, at the end of our rope. Maybe you found yourself there. Um, a few years ago, I came across a, a Facebook video, and in there, they, had these, they were asking their, these parents, and they said, parents, if you could have dinner with anybody in the world, who would you want to have dinner with? And so um, there was a variety of answers. There was one uh, lady who said Justin Bieber, and her husband was like, really? Um, he's like, Justin Bieber ain't coming to our house. Um, and, uh, and so they, they, they answered all these celebrities or famous people, people who had made a difference, and and then they, they had asked the kids, they didn't tell them this, but they had asked the kids the same questions. And then they showed a video of their kids. And so when they, asked, uh, when they asked the kids, if you could have dinner with anybody in the whole world, who would you have dinner with? And kid after kid, and I think they were in Australia or England because they said, mom and dad. Mom and dad. One kid said, does it have to be anybody famous? Can it be my family? You see, this is what our, our kids want more than anything else, is to be with us. But we've so scheduled ourselves that we've scheduled each other out of our lives. And it's not uncommon for us to not sit down and have a meal as a family, all right, or just be a quick meal because we've said, you know what, all these other things are priority when what our kids want more than anything else is ourselves. And so in our effort to provide our kids with everything, we've taken away the most important thing. Parents who are at their best. Look, I think we all want our kid to excel in whatever it is, whether it's a sport or music or art, and we want to give our kids every opportunity. But what they need more than anything else is us being present with them. I heard of a study years ago where they looked at national merit scholars, and they were trying to figure out, okay, what are the common themes that, that go along with these national merit scholars, these people who have excelled um, across, you know, across the country in different socioeconomic situations, across races? What is it? Is there anything that was common? And the most common thing they found for national merit scholars is that, is that those individuals sat down and had a daily meal with their parents. That was the most common thing. Is that the most common thing for us? I, and I know life can be busy and activities and lots of stuff already on the schedule. You might have to get creative, but you got to make it a priority. I had a, a friend in high school. His dad was the high school principal. Um, so he both had the luxury of, uh, of being known, right? Um, and so he, he never had to, he, he couldn't get in trouble or he got in lots of trouble, right? And, uh, but one of the things they did because his dad was the principal, they were always, you know, there was always activities school-wise. And so what they did is they ate breakfast together. Yes, they got up earlier, but that became the time that they had a family together. And so kids in box four, I invite you to draw a picture 
of your family eating dinner. Maybe it's that simple to prioritize that time. So how do we make the Sabbath holy? What do we do to to make that happen in our own world? And I think the first thing is, is that we have to make time and we have to take time. Sabbath keeping will not happen unless we are intentional about prioritizing it. It's not just going to be like, oh, look, we have nothing to do today. That is a very rare occurrence. We have to schedule it. We have to say, we have to put nothing on our calendar. We have to say Sabbath on our calendar. And then when somebody says, hey, can you do this on this day? And you're like, well, I'm doing something then. I already have plans. You have to write it down. You have to plan for it. You have to take the time that is offered to you through your jobs or through your other things. You can't just expect it to happen. You have to make it happen. You have to take the time that is available to you. Because ultimately, you are going to be better at your job. You're going to be better as a parent, as a grandparent, as an aunt or an uncle. You're going to be better as a contributing member to this community when you rest. But so many of us are used to only giving 60% of ourselves What if we could give 100% of ourselves? What if we weren't tired when we walked in the door? What if we weren't exhausted all the time? we got to schedule it. And then we have the next thing we do is, is during Sabbath, again, sometimes we think about just not doing anything, and sometimes that's the best thing. But the most important thing is to make the Sabbath life-giving. Now, this is different for different people, all right? There are some of you weird people out there who love yard work. It's the most relaxing thing to do to mow the yard, all right? That's not me, all right? If you want to relax and mow a yard, I got one for you, all right? Just come on down anytime, all right? But for some of you, that's relaxing. Gardening is relaxing. For some of you, reading a book or doing a puzzle, that's relaxing. Whatever it is that is life-giving, one of the things that we've recently done as a staff is talked about a life-giving list, writing down those, those activities that give us life, those people that give us life. The, the places that give us life, and then prioritizing those. What would it look like if you wrote down those things and then in your Sabbath time, you prioritize those? What is it that we do to make it life-giving? When I was in Tulsa, one of the benefits they provided staff was to have once a month to have a Sabbath day um, in which you work because they knew that, that pastors, like all of us, are at our best whenever we spend time and we get away and we're with God. And so um, it was a a great benefit that I hardly ever took advantage of. I was there for about 65 months. I took two Sabbath days because I thought I was so busy. I thought it was so important. But what I I learned as I look back is that I was wearing myself down and I was wearing myself thin and I wasn't connecting to God. And so I thought that I had to go and I thought I had to do and I thought everything was so essential. And what happened is, is that I worn myself out. And I'm not the husband, I'm not the father, I'm not the pastor, I'm not the person I want to be because I didn't spend time with those life-giving things that God commands and that we experience as good. And so the last thing that we do whenever we take Sabbath, and again, that may be an evening, that, um, that may be a day, that may be a couple days, whatever that healthy rhythm of work and rest looks like, is to let God make you holy. You see, sometimes I think we think that we have to make ourselves good enough and then God's going to love us more. But what the beauty and the gift of the Sabbath is that we get to be still and know that God is God and that God is good and we can just receive that. 
And that whenever we put ourselves before God, God's going to do his work in our life. And so part of it is intentionally connecting with God. It's intentionally growing and saying, Lord, shape me and make me. See, because the good news is, is that you are loved by Jesus just the way that you are. You're a child of God. That's who you are. That is your identity. You don't have to earn it. Some of us work like we have to earn God's love. You don't have to do that. That's not who Jesus said, is that I'm going to love the person who does the most for me. And that you have to do these five things, and then you're good enough. Finally, you can accomplish enough. No, what what Jesus says is, I love you just the way that you are. Come to me. Receive my love. Uh, In fact, Jesus said these words, come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many of you feel that way, that your burden is light? Because if you feel that your burden is not light, that is not from Jesus. That's from somewhere else. I love the way the message translation says it. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Show me how to do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. This is the good news. The unforced rhythms of grace for your soul and for mine. You know, I really feel that the Sabbath keeping, if we were to do that well, would be one of the best witnessing tools we'd have to the world. Because in a world that says go, 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 in a world that says do, 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 in a world that says busy, 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 we say go, go, rest. It's not about what you do, it's about who you are and being able to receive that. And so I would imagine, like Caitlin said, there's so many of us out there who are just burdened, who are weary, who are overwhelmed, and God invites you to his rest. I don't know what a healthy rhythm of work and rest looks like for you, but I know that you need it. I know that we need it because we want to be the kind of people that experience God's rest and his grace and his love. And so if you're tired, if you're burnt out, if you're exhausted and you've just claimed that as normal, today we're going to claim an abnormal way of living, a rhythm of work and rest a rhythm of being and doing, a rhythm of grace. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.